G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A conversation coming over this next hour, it might be one of those, uh, will nothing will be off limits. And so if there are little ears around, uh, that might be worth uh, shielding those from our conversation. You could call it an adults-only conversation, but I'll just think we'll call it a mature conversation, uh, one that needs to be heard, one that needs to be discussed. I'm going to be asking some questions today about how well you know your spouse how well you think you know your spouse. We're going to turn our attention to how we think about secret fantasies, relationships or pastimes you know nothing about. Well, our special guests today know a thing or two about infidelity and betrayal. They've written a book about their own experience called Beyond Betrayal. Their story is about lies, deceit and infidelity. But now Noni and her husband David, while still a work in progress, have a reconciled and restored marriage. Noni and David Yates support and mentor men and women in overcoming the obstacles and shame associated with infidelity. David and Noni are joining us. Their book is called Beyond Betrayal, but a special welcome back to 2020. Uh, To you, David, welcome. Thanks, Neil. Great to be here. And Noni, welcome to you. Thanks for having us back, Neil. Noni, if I start with you for a moment, uh, perhaps just an in a nutshell recount. We've had you on as guests before. Uh, listeners won't know uh, some of your story more intimately and we don't go into the whole depth of the story, but perhaps an in a nutshell story about you and David and your relationship and your marriage. Okay, Neil. Um, well, Dave and I have been married 30 years this October and um, we married in 1993 and um, very much uh, in love and uh, quite a normal relationship. Um, There was lots of behaviours that were not so healthy through the years and and I'm talking about, you know, covert um, control, uh, passive aggressiveness, lots of, um, yeah, lots of going around around the mountain so many times. In 2018, I separated from Dave and then uh, in 2019, we began reconciliation and I discovered that um, Dave had actually been keeping some secrets for quite a long time. He had, in one way or another, um, been involved with affairs, infidelity, um, yeah, betrayal. Affairs, infidelity, betrayal. And I want to give special honour to Dave, who's in the studio with us, because it takes some level of courage to be able to not only come clean on some things, uh, be humble enough to get things back on track and say, let's make a go of this. Mm -hmm. But now uh, you've written a book together. 
you're available for speaking engagements. Uh, if people want to book, you know, something that's you know pretty absolutely necessary but very controversial, uh, they're able to book the two of you. But Dave, a special honour to you and uh, to your courage to be able to stand up and say, "Well, this was me. Uh, I'm happy to be open about this." Yeah, thanks, Neil. I think, like I closed the last uh, our last discussion, um, I never planned to be here. It was never on my life's ambitions, but. Uh, I've come almost full circle to the from away from the shame of going. It would be a shame to waste the experience and the hope and the restoration that we've been able to experience. It's been very hard, and I would. I just hate to think that there are people out there despairing because they'd feel there's no hope, and likewise that there are men and women. Uh, living in darkness, living with secrets uh, and shame, and it's keeping them from knowing themselves and knowing their partners and living a much better life. We're going to talk about secrets. We're going to talk about what infidelity is. And uh, for some, they'll be saying, well, where are the borders? Uh, What are the boundaries here? Uh, I had this thought. I did this thing. Uh, Was that really infidelity? We'll get to that. Uh, But... Just uh, stay with me for a moment here, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, the shame, yeah. um, the ways that you would say, and, and people might be having grappling with this idea, uh, you're feeling actually good about being able to talk about these things because when you hold these things inside, you don't let them out, shame does overcome you. Absolutely. I wonder if you've got any thoughts here for, you know, particularly well, not just men, but women. Yeah. Uh, anyone who's been grappling with this, how you deal with this shame and what happens when you let it out. Yeah, exactly. We become the things we hide and keep secret. I've come to the realization they have a hold on me. The things that I'm hiding to protect myself end up controlling me. They stop me from giving myself from knowing knowing me. And from in part of that, receiving love, receiving understanding. Uh, and it's a really vicious circle, the shame behaviour. In the end, I'm just withdrawing away from myself, the core of who I am and who I'm meant to be and who I've made to be. I'm getting further and further from that. So and there's been many words written about this, but in, in the end, you're at war with yourself. When we talk about who we're made to be, uh, what we are meant to be, we're talking about an identity, who we are. And I know that the two of you have a deep and strong and growing Christian faith. And our identity in Christ is really important because as soon as we slip away from knowing who we are, made in his image and likeness, man, woman, different uh, then we're actually, you know, moving on to ground that uh, is less firm. Uh, any thoughts here on faith when you're dealing with these types of things, Noni? Well, I think that, um, you know, if we're not looking at our identity in and the image of Christ, we're getting it from external sources and the culture and the society and who we think we should be from uh, images or media or just just the the whole um we're just being tossed around by the wind and we don't even know who we are we're oh, okay we've got to be this person to that person then we've got to look this certain way to get that approval um we're just in complete 
chaos. There's this concept, isn't there, of uh, what people think freedom is today. Uh, Freedom (laughs) to do what I want to do. Freedom to think what I want to think. Freedom sexuality-wise to do and be and experiment the way I think I want to experiment. Uh, Is that really freedom or have you discovered there's something about that that actually leads you into a level of bondage? We are free to choose whatever we want to do, but we are not free from the consequences of those choices. Every choice has a consequence. You know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Now, if we want to go and choose to view pornography or to, you know, there's, there's going to be a consequence somewhere along the line. So, yeah, we, we do have freedom, but in some of the choices that we make, we're actually in bondage. You know, we can feel that in our bodies, what it's doing to us. You know, we can get to that place of darkness. Let's come to uh, what we think would be a definition around infidelity. And some people are more interested in this than others. Some got no idea. But if you're thinking about infidelity and trying to say, well, how far is too far? Can I push boundaries? Uh, Even my own thought life. Isn't my thought life mine? Uh, What do you say, uh, Noni, about a definition for how you might say this is what infidelity is? Well, um, Frank Pittman describes infidelity as the keeping of secrets. And, you know, we can... um, Now, secrets, I've actually got something here. Look at secrets. You know, secrets versus privacy in a relationship. Privacy refers to your personal boundaries about your history, thoughts, opinions and experience separate from your partner and relationship. Secrecy, on the other hand, involves something that you are intentionally hiding from your partner. Secrecy is dishonest, violates trust, intentionally hides or misleads. It's hurtful and disruptive and toxic. Privacy is not dishonest, does not violate trust. It involves being unobserved and alone. It's not disruptive or harmful. It's healthy. And secrecy is generally used to protect something or someone. And this is not just sexual secrets. Uh, This is secrets across a whole lot of different areas uh, because betrayal is bigger than just uh, the sexuality that we have uh, within our marriage context. Uh, Let me come back to you, Dave. Uh, You have, in your memoir, Beyond Betrayal, uh, you've just come clean and you've (laughs) you've just poured out your own heart secrets uh, that you first shared with Noni and then you decided to share them with anyone who needed to hear these things. Uh, But uh, give us your insights into the sorts of secrets and how you keep those secrets. And Well, how it takes an enormous amount of effort and uh, you cannot underestimate the drain that puts on on somebody. it's really a survival mode because you're telling yourself, I need to keep these secrets for my own safety, for my own survival as a person. And it becomes just ingrained so much like a reflex. So freeing that up is enormous. Um, Where do the secrets start? Because obviously before we enact our fantasies, they're happening in our minds. Uh, What are your thoughts here around where this secret life, this double life begins to develop? That's a great question. And that's a really, that's a a real journey of discovery for each person. And we were just talking about this morning is Mm. probably one of the great seeds of 
opening that door and having those things dwelling. Because people have thoughts. They have random thoughts. No one needs to know my thoughts. It's just a jumbled mess, right? That would be dreadful to share with people. It would be a mess. However, one of the seeds is lingering resentment. Whenever there's a resentment or a distance from being in myself or in yourself from being present, you have withdraw for a perceived offence or I don't feel worthy of asking what I think or sharing what I want and internalising that, then you start looking and living in a different place. So you're separating. Yourself. So in the marriage in the marriage context, when you have the disagreement, uh, and every marriage has people uh, who are having disagreements, they grow into arguments. If you allow those things to fester and become resentful, then you're likely to be thinking about finding solace or uh, some level of relief in another fantasy that takes you away from your spouse. Is that one way of looking at that? I I wouldn't even go as far as having disagreements or unresolved disagreements because John and Julie Gobnall tell you 70% of disagreements never get resolved in in happy marriages. Okay, yes. It's not the resolution of it that makes people happy. In my case, it's unable to disagree the inability, yeah, the people pleasing, the avoiding, Mm. the fear of rejection, the fear, because I'll be as charming and as pleasing to get what I need, which is that affirmation. But if I don't get it, or I feel afraid to get it, then there's the resentment. It says there's no, we would have been better off having a lot of really open disagreements. (laughs) No, okay. <laughs> then, then me retreating into what I thought I needed or how I, oh, I can't share that feeling because a lot, most of it was out of insecurity and lack of identity anyway. Noni, does this feed into that narrative about men where we often will find it difficult to open our own hearts in those intimate conversations, even with our wives, uh, that if you don't get those conversations happening, uh, you've got some distance between you and then you're actually leaving yourself in some level of vulnerability? Well, yeah, because you, you know, you're having surface level conversations rather than um, heart-to-heart conversations. And because when we become vulnerable, there's risk. You know, there's a risk of a disapproval or a risk of rejection or a, a, a perceived risk. So I think that um, it's, it is, you know, we know that girls talk, we can share on a heart level. It's much more difficult for men. But for men to step into that place and do it, I know that Dave, you know, with his you know group on, on Saturdays, they have real heart-to-heart conversations, and I think that that's really validating as well. Mm. Um, but for men to step in and learn that, it, it's a learned process. It's not just a natural. And I think that also with our masculinity, you know, with from boys, you know, oh, come on, d- d- you know, don't be a sook or, you know, it's or invalidating real feelings. Um, then there's this message that, oh, I, I have to be a certain way to be approved or, or validated or loved or accepted. And that, that soft, that, that fear emotion is, is not, I'm not okay. I, I've got to do something else. I've got to, and then they just like wall up 
And mm-hmm. so then in a, in a marriage relationship where you've got someone that wants to be that intimate, like on that, you know, there's a, there's a term intimacy anorexia. And it's just like that, that fear of intimacy, that fear of emotional, you know, because, and I think, you know, I can say in Dave's case, it's like, but if Noni really knew me, she wouldn't love me. Exactly right. She wouldn't love me. And I couldn't fully love Dave while he kept all these secrets from me. And then when I did find out, you know, all of, and it's just, you know, flowed out, I loved that, that vulnerable, beautiful person that trusted me enough to let me into those deepest, darkest places. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation today, an adults only conversation insofar as some of the concepts we're talking about you might want to shield little ears from our very special guests, David and Noni Yates. Uh, they're joining us. Their book is called Beyond Betrayal, 28 Years, Lies, Deceit and Infidelity at 1-800-316-316. Uh, Noni, coming to you here for a moment, um, sexuality is a normal part of our development, but somewhere or other it goes astray when we're into a marriage context and infidelity, unfaithfulness uh, can take over. What are your thoughts on, on if we're talking about in, infidelity? I mean, the, the simplest thing, I guess, uh, holding hands, uh, we would all say that's perfectly fine. Perhaps the kiss. Uh, what what do you see as a, a way to describe what crossing the line might be? Well, I mean, those things, you know, like, and I'm just going to talk in a marriage sense or a committed relationship sense. They're things that you share with you and your partner. If you step out of that and then you share that with someone else behind your partner's back. Like you haven't gone to your partner and said, oh, hey, listen, um, I've got these feelings for this person. Are you okay if I go and do this? No, you haven't You haven't done that. But if, you know, like, and, and there's some therapists will say, you know, we'll just have an open conversation. Some people have open relationships. But I think the majority of us expect monogamy in our relationship. And it's that one person, it's that one attached person. So that person you're meant to be sharing everything with you know it's it's committed and then if someone decides for whatever reason and this is something I do want to say as well for anyone out there that has experienced betrayal you did nothing to cause this Mm. you did nothing there was nothing that you did or did not do that made your partner or that contributed to your partner making the choices to step outside the relationship whether it's say you know there's some texting or some flirting messages or you know special work relationships that's on them. They've made those choices. Mm. And that, that the betrayal, the infidelity, the adultery, it starts with a thought, not an action. So when you've got both husband and wife submitted to one another and uh, making one another the focus of their sexuality, you've got some protection in there from everything going astray. As you said, Dave, early on, it's actually really hard work keeping all those secrets, uh, living a double life, uh, actually if you are pursuing a godly relationship, it ought to make your life easier. Would that be a too too far a stretch? Not at all. It's absolutely a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've reverse aged about five years. Right. Um, That's good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Maybe not in my looks, but definitely people have said even yeah. in, in my interactions with me as a person. A whole countenance. My cal- Everything's the, different. The, 
or whatever you want to call it. And just on that, Neil, I think um, in our recovery process, an integral part of it was setting boundaries. I, tra- I was away a lot from home and I continue to travel not nearly as much. But And so regarding fidelity and other people, letting other people in to your life, we set very, and I agreed to, we both agreed to some pretty, um, which I think are just basic principles that should be part of your marriage. That is, Noni gets to see passwords to all of my emails, social medias, whatever accounts they are. Um, I undertake not to overshare with females in a work or anywhere else. That's letting people into your life. Mm. That That is letting people into the deep emotional parts of your family possibly because people do that as part of a social interaction or in a work interaction. But what you're doing is you're building bonds that people can read into or their discussions I should be having with Noni. So you're talking about flirting. Uh, People talk about this uh, concept and, you know, oftentimes it happens in our workplace Mm. uh, or in those social gatherings. Uh, There's a difference, isn't there, between that friendly and uh, social interaction and uh, what actually becomes a flirt. Any thoughts there on the difference? How does, how does that feel to you when you're, yeah. you know, when you're actively on the prowl? Uh, <laughs> you know, does you know the, the the Dave, the flirty Dave kicks in? Well, the flirty Dave kicked in as a as just a way of seeking approval from men, women, children, animals. You know, that's that's the people pleasing aspect, um, and it can be very difficult to say this is the line that crosses so it's a lot easier to say, go well um, one there are no friendships work or otherwise with members of the opposite sex that Noni doesn't know about and she's free to ask someone's name hey this person is that and be completely honest about that can I just say yeah. that you know like years ago before oh. everything came out if I questioned any relationship or any person how what would I get back oh, deflection just, defensive just, just, minimizing yeah. aggression like yeah yeah and uh, and in that that doesn't mean all of that all of those relationships all those interactions are what people call affairs mm. but I wasn't being congruent as a person, right? I wasn't letting Noni into it. What was I protecting? I'm not really sure what I was protecting. There are high standards uh, as a Christian believer, aren't there? And uh, just to pick up on a Bible verse out of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, we say, well, what are the standards that God expects in a relationship? And so uh, that verse there in Hebrews 13, 4 says, let marriage be held in honour among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. High standards. Uh, high standards in those social interactions, high standards at work. The Christian believer does really need to think very carefully about what high standards are expected. And the Bible has high standards. Some people might think they're too high standards. Noni, what are your thoughts for an aspiration to be a God-pleaser, not just a people-pleaser? 
Well, I, I just think that, you know, we really do all have to know our true value and worth and that we deserve, we deserve those high standards. We deserve to be honoured. We deserve to be, um, you know, put first in as, as far as, uh, you know, a, a couple, God first and then each other second. We actually deserve those things and they're there for our protection and our joy and our freedom, mm. you know, because that, you know, that, like the marriage bed. I mean, like we, we're sexual creatures, you know, we enjoy that, but, and, and, and to the fullest, but then when there's secrets that one party has got, they're actually not actively present in that relationship not in the in the marital bed, you know, it's like you're never fully present. Um, if there's been even, you know, like an pornography, um, if there's there's anything that's outside that's a secret. I'm talking about the secrets, the things that you know you are that the um, the unfaithful is knowingly withholding from their partner. The partner can only make decisions and only feel as safe as what they're being presented with. So that becomes like a controlling behavior as well that then disallows the partner to make healthy choices for themselves. There's real imbalance. Uh, David, let me come to you in this part. Just before the news, Noni mentioned amongst the secrets that so many keep is the issue around pornography. I wonder if you've got an insight here, because as a mentor of men these days, uh, your own story to tell of just how prevalent and how damaging pornography is if it's left as one of those secrets in the closet. Yeah, thanks, Neil. This is a huge subject, and uh, I'd say, without a doubt, every man I've spoken to that's found themselves in this situation has been exposed to and has used pornography if not regularly, or if not obsessively, at least regularly. And it has coloured their, at least it colours your attitude towards women, to your wife, and to life in general. The effect, and I know from my own experience, I would have classified myself as a occasional recreational viewer of pornography. When I looked back, uh, with a lot more diligence, I've probably underestimated the extent that uh, I indulged in pornography as a relief, as entertainment, out of boredom or whatever. The impact on myself, on my thought life, on my relationships um, was significant. So it, it needs to be spoken about openly. It needs to be addressed openly. Um, yeah. When you say the occasional recreational user, and some mm. will say, uh, does that mean weekly or monthly or every six monthly? Yeah. But, but so many are daily users of pornography, and especially when things are so pervasive in our uh, in our whole society now, where just on your mobile device you've yeah. got access to pornography, you can't just say that. Well, my kids, my husband, uh, my wife will never have discovered this. They won't have noticed. Everybody notices. Uh, Noni, everybody does notice. And uh, and even mature Christian believers uh, who don't have their head in the sand uh, will certainly be aware of this as well. And they'll have been grappling with it in their own lives and in their own marriages and the own, their own effects on those things. 
Yeah, I think there's um, the common misconception of, you know, what they don't know won't hurt them. And I'm here to tell you that what we don't know does hurt us. Many years ago, I didn't know that Dave was viewing pornography and um, I remember standing in our lounge room and we were literally having a standoff. And I remember saying to him, I know, I, I, I know that you want to have sex with me, but I don't feel like you love me. And unbeknownst to me, it was actually only when we did our timeline after discovery that at that period of time, Dave had been sent some, uh, something from a work colleague. By accident. And by accident. <laughs> and rather than just deleting it, Dave kept viewing that. And then it, Dave will actually also say that over a period of a week or months that he kept going back to that. Yeah. And I had no idea about this, but in my gut, my body, I knew that I felt objectified. I mm. knew that I didn't feel a, a, you know, the tender, loving uh, touch or respect or honour of a husband and wife relationship, it was uh, very tangible in my body, and I felt that. And, of course, it was just denial, and I didn't know anything. Dave, men objectifying women, uh, this is nothing new. Uh, this is, you know, thousands of years of history uh, where that objectification uh, actually leads to controlling, uh, leads to abuse, uh, all sorts of challenges there. How do you see that? And uh, in those sorts of relationships and conversations you're having with other men around this, uh, those sorts of things are are you know a natural uh, a natural uh, development on using pornography. Absolutely, I, I think. Uh, like Nani said, I didn't associate that that event with that period in, in time until we went back and did our timeline, and I went, oh yeah, that's exactly what was happening. Now, that wasn't a conscious choice on my part at all. Uh, so the effect is long-lasting. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a drug. It is a drug. It has the same effect on your brain as cocaine, and it's just as addictive. So uh, I don't know. Where were we going with that? I'm sorry. Uh, look, when we're talking pornography, yeah. uh, this is something that is common uh, right across society, whether you are Christian or not, because uh, if you're a man, you're wired a certain way. And uh, as one uh, a teacher, uh, lecturer, expert uh, said at one stage uh, that I always recall is that uh, a man's sex drive is connected to his optic nerve. Uh, the way that we vi visually see things, visually are stimulated by things, uh, that actually puts us in a place of vulnerability. And so you're in a society where you're immersed in all of this, uh, whether you're watching TV late at night, uh, you've got your, your, uh, your mobile device, uh, you're on Netflix uh, it's there everywhere, and somehow or other, you've either got to control it or manage it. Uh, I don't think you get healed from it. Uh, Noni, what are your thoughts here about how you might approach a movement towards a healthier atmosphere when this has been your problem? Um, well, well, firstly, when I, when I, you know, like going back to the mind, you know, like the word tells us that we're to take captive every thought. And God gives us a spirit of self-control. You know, we choose what we're going to give into, mm. <clears throat> And we're not helpless to make good choices, right? We are not helpless. Um, and there's, there's so much, 
you know, could speak on this. But ultimately, you're going to, you know, you need to see the person, mm. be intimate with the person. I've got a great, um, on, on that a blog post that I did, there was actually a, um, a TED talk by a guy called Ran Gavrieli on why he stopped watching porn. I urge everyone to go and watch that. And also the other one raised on porn. The fact that our neural pathways get changed by what we immerse ourselves in, what we read, what we see, what we hear, what we, you know, like we have got these messages going through. Um, there's actually an amazing uh, Dr. Faye Sayed who is in Brisbane who I'd really encourage, you know, have a conversation with. She is a specialist in this sex addiction area and has researched on the um, – the effects that pornography has on the brain. So I'm no specialist in that. Like I'm kind mm. of like relational. I can tell a story. Um, but I do know like I sit with people and I hear the damaging effects of these primarily women. Um, you know, I spoke to a woman just last week or the week before and she said she was actually told by someone, you're lucky it's just porn. I can promise you the last thing she felt was lucky. She felt despair she felt helpless she felt enraged she felt extremely gutted you know there's there's no such thing as i i don't believe there's any such thing as a healthy level of pornography it changes the way you view mm. people when christians get married uh, they're usually uh, introduced to this concept of the two shall become one flesh uh, the two together and if you want to drive a wedge between uh, those two just introduce pornography because pornography creates a wedge between two well, somehow or other you've got to be able to work on your marriage and and you know i mentioned in the introduction you have a work in progress but a restored and reconciled marriage where one flesh is what you're both aspiring to and so when you've got these things that are wedges that dr that drive you apart, those are things you've got to be especially attentive to, haven't you, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think just back to your point about objectification, objectification isn't a natural uh, trait of men. All right, this is something that we've been uh, socialised into conditioned. accepting and conditioned to accept. It's okay to objectify women, and. Well, it's okay because she's so attractive. That is nonsense. Mm. That is not biblical at all. That is completely flesh-based, and it devalues God's creations. Mm. And self-control is an interesting one. You mentioned that, Noni, because you know, you've know you got other religious persuasions uh, that actually cover up their women from head to toe uh, to be able to protect them from the objectification of men. But in a society like our Western society, which has its Christian foundations, men have been taught traditionally via the church to exercise self-control and to not objectify women. There's something in our faith that empowers us, and yet we sometimes struggle with that as we're learning on that learning curve. Well, we give in to the flesh. We just give in. Giving in and uh, self, self will, you know, sin is every act of self will. We give in to the fleshly desires. It's too easy to give in, isn't it? Hundred hmm. percent. So when we move away from 
those values that say, you know, the marriage bed needs to be kept, uh, you know, honoured and uh, pure. Um, and in a lifelong relationship sense, uh, even you might even, and we, we haven't got time to go into this sort mm. of thing, but the fact that it's easy to separate, easy to divorce, it means you somehow or other don't have to work through these things, but working through them and getting onto the other side of them knowing each other intimately, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, on the other side of that, you've got something beautiful to work with. It's it's quite incredible, in fact. just spoke to our daughter oh, <laughs> just recently, and, um, you know, I said, I would not wish um, what we've gone through upon anyone, but, oh, my gosh, I wish for everyone to have the relationship that we've got now. And I think last time I also said, you know, oh, gosh, I wish there was a different way we could get there. Yeah. Um, but this is our story. And um, it is God's redemption. Um, but in doing that too, Neil, it takes two people to turn towards each other. It takes two people. One person, no matter how much they want the relationship, if the other person is not willing to do the work, and it does take a lot of work, takes a lot of humility, then sometimes you've got no choice but to walk away. And even in walking away, both people have still got work to do. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's going to be, you know, tough stuff to go through, no matter which way you go. And I remember just before we went to um, a specialist in Brisbane years ago, Dave actually said to me, look, after this weekend, um, if you want to walk away, because all the secrets are going to come out, if you want to walk away, that's okay. I wouldn't blame you. And I just said to him, I need to heal regardless. So my choice is to start this healing with you. So, um, but at the same time, when Dave actually uh, told me that, it was the greatest gift because I realized there and then Whereas he tried to manipulate mm. and control and keep me bound and keep me in his grips. Right there and then, I could see a contrite heart that actually said, I'll let you go and you can, you can do what's right for you. So therefore, the power and the control was gone and he saw me as a person giving me equal choice, yeah. which, was, which was great. It was a great platform to start from. Dave, I'm reminded, even listening to Noni here, that it's not just Noni who's in the equation, but your own children and some of the things that you keep secret. Yeah. Uh, when they come out and your children discover that, you're obviously going to have those sorts of uh, concerns as well. Uh, how did your children react when they found out that you'd been involved in all of these activities? Um, as you'd expect. With, dis- with disgust um, and yeah uh, I don't think my daughter spoke to me for about six weeks eight weeks um, and you know I, I expect that and I deserved that that was okay but you know what I, what they've what has come out of that is they've got to see me complete not this person has been trying so hard for the 25 years but this person being who they are being open being vulnerable and to try their best each day and that's what rebuilds a better relationship and trust with them back to what Noni said then that gift to Noni was taking away the secrets which mm. is how 
our relationship was meant to be. Well, if I was withholding part of myself, even before going down the extramarital route, well, if I was holding back and withholding from Noni, I couldn't be known. There were secrets there. And how could she know me? And how could I ever be loved? So how could we have a strong marriage? Can I, can I say too, like as far as our children, you know, they were all impacted by Dave's behaviours right. over the years as well. They were all, when I found everything out, I just went, this makes sense of years and years, decades. Now, those, our, all of our th- three children have been impacted by the duality mm. um, of the, the secrets and the undermining and the behaviours, the, the um, and you know what? For the one of a better word, and I know this is thrown around too much, but the narcissistic mm. tendencies that are very, very consistent, um, they were all impacted by that. So, again, it's like what, what they don't know won't hurt them. What they don't know does hurt them, and that's had a very real impact on that's them. Right. But at the same time with their relationship with Dave now, they know him. They know him. They know him uh, with a new level of intimacy too, and uh, they will uh, they will be able to honour you again as a father and as a husband to Noni. Noni, I can't go past this. Uh, while we're talking to you and you've got your story, and certainly the focus is going to be on Dave and uh, men and infidelity. This is not something that is only uh, a man thing. Uh, There's statistics that might show us that women too are often the ones who are more deeply into infidelity than their faithful husband. Uh, Do you come across those sorts of of discussions when people hear you speak, when they talk to you and you have opportunity to interact with people, women who are are suffering the same issues as your own husband Dave did? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. and you know, sadly, with um, you know, previously, um, the statistics were you know generally a lot more men and than women. Um, that's kind of catching up, and unfortunately, there's not the great resources out there for women who have been unfaithful and men who have been betrayed. They're very much still. Um, I mean, I'd love to see that change because. No matter which side of the fence you're on, you know, you, you've got your worth, your worth healing. Your value is still there as an amazing um, person. And um, unfortunately, yes, and they're, they're kind of, um, there's just so much shame and um, I feel really sad about that. You've got a special event coming up for women who are experiencing the grief associated with intimate betrayal. Uh, that's coming up shortly. There's some spots available in that. What sort of things will you be covering in that? Uh, no doubt you'll be telling your story, but how does that all work? Okay, well, for starters, um, I've only just discovered that this is going to be happening and I'm really excited. I'm not presenting it. I'm just connecting with a couple of amazing women, um, Kat at Etherington and Fran Hopwood from the UK, who are specialising in this and in, it's in women's betrayal trauma um, and it's a grief intent well it's a grief retreat because with with a betrayal there's grieving you know when we when we think about the loss of a loved one through death there's a ritual around that that's you know publicly you're supported and there's there's um you know people bring you food and there's there's all these things that go around that 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 keep you supported when you've been betrayed 
you have got such a disenfranchised grief and it's like where how do I do this who do I tell where and you there's just doesn't seem to be any set way to grieve but it is still a deep grieving process so Kat and Fran are coming out from the UK um, it's in the Hawkesbury region uh, region the details are on our website but it's just going to be a really amazing place for women to gather and be supported and to um, be helped through this process. Well, your candid openness uh, from the two of you obviously uh, earns you lots and lots of good friends in all of this because people relate so deeply to what's happened either in their own relationship or in relationships that they know of those intimate friends that they might have when they know there's something a little deeper that's going on. Uh, For listeners to get a hold of the book. Now, the book is called Beyond Betrayal, 28 Years, Lies, Deceit and Infidelity. It's available on the website, beyondbetrayalrecoverybook.com and you can find some details about that event for women that's coming up that Noni mentioned. There's also a discount today, a 2020 Vision Code. So 2020, that's 2020 Vision. Uh, If you type that into uh, the code on the website, you'll be able to get a 20% discount. So 2020 for a 20% discount for a book purchase today from your website. That's Beyond Betrayal, uh, the recoverybook.com. The book is Beyond Betrayal, 28 Years, Lies, Deceit, and infidelity, and uh, make sure when you're Googling that, uh, type also in David and Noni Yates, Y-A-T-E-S. And just to mention one more time too, that you're available to speak at a church. Now, you've done this a number of times. The response, no doubt, is going to be you know mixed. Uh, people are going to be wondering whether they should be sitting in and listening to this or not. You've found that a Q&A session, and sometimes with the pastor being the go-between and uh, and being able to facilitate mm. that, Noni, you found that works really well. And so for people who want to do something with their local church, with a men's group or uh, with a, a family's group, this is the sort of thing that you're available for? Sure. We're, we're definitely very open to sharing um, the hot potato. Uh, it's something that we... The reason we started speaking out is because we knew how isolated mm. and how alone and how lost and and we just know that experience and we don't want for anyone to feel like that and it, it is in churches I I can tell I can't even tell you you know people sitting in church think it should be this way or it should be that way or I feel so you know like you know like I, I know one of my things was like but this doesn't happen in Christian marriages well sorry it does mm. it does and and I think we need to be open in a safe and whole place where we can support one another in a in a healthy way not not be ostracized not be shamed not be condemned you know like if if we as a church can't show true love compassion and 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 growth what are we doing well in church life we are the ones who have an aspiration to what is a good and healthy and strong relationship within our marriage and uh, without that aspiration we're just wandering around in the wilderness aren't we so a final word from you dave because uh, we've got to wrap things up uh, on the other side of all of this uh, if everything had gone so bad uh, that you had separated divorced you would have taken all of your own challenges into the next relationship. Is it better to actually fix the issues you've got now 
or keep those things silent and keep moving on and living a double life? Oh, I think we know the answer to that one. I fix myself. I mean, this has been the journey not to fix our marriage, not to change Noni, but to fix myself. And what I mean fix myself is not the broken base, recognize myself, mm. identify with myself, go back and explore myself. And this is still a process that goes on each week, each month. It's like making friends with all of those parts of yourself. Absolutely. And, yeah, and that's been, I'm yeah, it's, 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 it's been a great part of that journey. And so I would not, yeah, I, I would still want to, ha- I would still have to do that journey or live a very mm. um, fragmented, unfulfilled life. I know listeners will be inspired that there is hope in recovery David and Noni Yates, their book is called Beyond Betrayal, 28 Years, Lies, Deceit and Infidelity, beyondbetrayalrecoverybook.com is their website. Uh, Noni, thank you so much for coming and joining us once again. Thanks for having us again, Neil. Dave, uh, thanks for your courage, honour to you especially, uh, in the sense of uh, you're the one who's really expressed some level of real humility in all of this. You both have, by the way, but (laughs) but just to honour you in, uh, in your openness. Thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Thanks for the chance, Neil. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.